If you've uh, got your Bibles tonight, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Acts chapter 1. One more week and then we'll get back into our study on the family. Uh, I think that's so important. I'm excited to get back in it because we're going to be looking in the book of Proverbs. And except for on a Father's Day message, uh, I don't think I've ever preached much out of Proverbs. Uh, the Lord's given opportunity to do that, so... Starting then, we're going to be getting, as we get back into the family series, we're going to be looking at the book of Proverbs and all the wisdom we can find in there for the family. But tonight I want to look at Acts chapter number one. Reason being, what we experienced this past Sunday. Man, did we not hear some good preaching Sunday morning, early, early at the sunrise service. Wow. Wow. I was amazed. The music, and then the Lord saved two souls here Sunday morning. Wow, what our hearts have experienced. And and we saw the church being full, the balcony just about being full. And I understand it's Wednesday night, and you're never going to get the group back. But, man, that just thrills our heart to see that. And uh, in a sense, that's kind of what the disciples experienced uh, for just a few minutes tonight, I want to talk to you about the upper room after Easter, uh, the essentials to begin the preparations for power. Uh, Acts chapter 1, I would, I'm just going to read the whole chapter. I know that's going to take some time, but I, I, I do think it's kind of important. Now, I'm going to tell you what, I always try to listen, if I'm not sure how to pronounce a word, and uh, get that pronunciation right. But in this, I'm going to tell you what, there's so much disagreement on what how you pronounce some of these words. I'm just going to say it best I can, and we'll leave it at that. How's that? The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Now, this, of course, this is Luke writing this. Unto the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion or the passion week, the crucifixion and the resurrection uh, by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God and being assembled together with them, the disciples, the followers of him, not just the twelve though, all of the disciples commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem but wait for the promise of the Father which, saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel, or to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but... You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all, and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, they were watching, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, I'd be gazing up too, be saying, wow. As he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? 
This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. The Lord himself shall return from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. That's really only several hundred yards. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zelotes, and Judas the brother of James, not Judas Iscariot the uh, betrayer. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women. And Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of the names together being about 120. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. Now that is speaking of Judas Iscariot. For he was numbered with us and obtained part and had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity, the 30 pieces of silver. And falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem, insomuch as that field is called in their proper tongue a Sodoma, that is to say, the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his habitation be desolate, and let no man dwell therein. And his bishopric let another take, or his officer, charge that the Lord had given him. Wherefore, of these men which have accompanied with us, been with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John, the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, unto that same day that he was taken up from us that we just read about, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. So this person had to be there had to see the risen Savior. And they appointed two, Joseph, called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. When Jesus came from earth to heaven, heaven to earth, <laughs> he was born, he lived, he rose again. Uh, we call those events that took place his coming in the God in the flesh, the incarnation. But after his resurrection, he spent 40 days appearing and disappearing and showing himself to many, all of the 120, I'm quite sure, all of his disciples. But then when he got ready, when the time was right to go back from earth to heaven, from where he had come, he rose again. We read about that. And the Bible says that he was taken up. Uh, matter of fact, in four times, just in chapter 1, we're told that Jesus was taken up right before the very eyes of those disciples God took himself back to heaven 
when he came in the it was called the incarnation when we he returned that was called the ascension and in between the incarnation and the ascension uh, was Calvary and Resurrection Sunday. Now, the resurrection was a highlight of this period that the disciples spent with the Lord Jesus. Uh, kind of like this past Sunday. The fellowship that we had together. And I'm going to tell you what, it done my heart good to, as we're in the fellowship hall and we had to start getting out chairs for people to sit in and pretty soon we was worried that we're going to be running out of chairs and then we did run out of chairs and not long after that I began to wonder if that floor was going to hold all them people. <laughs> but it was a highlight, is it not? And then we heard that wonderful preaching as Pastor Stephen presented a clear uh, presentation of the, of the resurrection story and the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and then everybody got their bellies full and you know, went home, maybe laid down a minute, and then we come back and we saw this room packed. I mean, full of people. And we heard that great singing. Uh, we heard uh, uh, Lori get up here, and I mean, she sung that song, This Blood, and I thought I'd die, I died and went to heaven when she was singing that song. I mean, just powerful. We, we got to experience all of that. And then... Uh, we got to open up the Word of God again and, and hear preaching again. And, and people literally, it always amazes me. It's never stopped amazing me. People actually respond when the gospel is presented. And two people came down and, and prayed and asked the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive them, uh, to help them live for Him and to save their souls. And we got to experience all of that. Resurrection Sunday, it's a highlight. But then comes after what the disciples were experiencing here. They'd seen the risen Savior. They'd seen the highlight. They'd had the fellowship, the great preaching. Uh, the crowds gathered around. The disciples of Jesus who had witnessed all of this were up there on the Mount of Olives and they go into the city of Jerusalem. They just literally saw the Lord Jesus Christ ascend into heaven and the angel saying, he's going to come again. But Jesus had said, don't you leave Jerusalem. Uh, there in Acts chapter 1, stay there. It's, you're not going to know exactly when all this stuff's going to take place, but you're going to receive power. You don't even know exactly when that's going to take place. But he told them to go into the upper room. And the promise, left with the promise that in just a few days, a short time, it says here, not many days hence, that the Holy Spirit would come, that they would be filled with power and that he was coming back one day. Now, when we look at these verses, we're told that those disciples uh, went to the upper room. I'm not sure if that's the same upper room that Jesus took the disciples to earlier. We know it was in the same location, in the same city, fairly close together, it literally says uh, that it was an upper room, but really it's not the place that matters. What really matters is the disciples went to the place and did the thing that Jesus told them to do. Jesus said, tarry in Jerusalem, stay in Jerusalem until you're endued uh, with power. Wait for the promise that's going to be given to you not many days hence in verse number 5. 
And when we look at those people, we look at the disciples, not just the twelve, though. That's very important. This is the larger group of disciples that were followers uh, of Christ, not just the the apostles, uh, that they were basically ordinary people just like us. I mean, some were fishermen, uh, tax collectors. We're not told the jobs that all of them have, but we know that they were ordinary run-of-the-mill folks, and some of them were hard-headed like we are sometimes. I know that because we've read about Peter, and some of them had problems with anger, James and John, the sons of thunder. (coughs) Some of them, no doubt, were hard to get along with like some of us are sometimes. But the one thing that distinguished these disciples were they were obedient to the commands of the Lord. He said, go to the this place, this upper room, and stay there, even though nothing's happening, until something does. The Bible clearly teaches us that God will bless those who are obedient to Him. As a matter of fact, it says to obey is better than sacrifice. Uh, John chapter number 2, you know the story when there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. And they didn't have any, they ran out of wine. Jesus said, uh, mother said, well, my son's here. Whatever he commands you to do, do it. And of course they did, and he performed his first public uh, miracle. One time, Jesus said, uh, the Bible says, uh, why do you call him Lord and do not the things with he, uh, which he commands? So obedience is a very important part in that Preparation to receive the power uh, that God wants to give, the upper room after Easter. How do you receive that power? Uh, They're waiting together. God's given them command. They're obedient to that command. And their world, uh, matter of fact, not just their world, but the whole world is getting ready to be turned upside down, inside out, changed forever because of the obedience of, of those few that are willing to follow the Lord Jesus Christ after all of the hoopla, after everything that's exciting's went on, now it ain't so exciting no more. Jesus has ascended back into heaven. They're being obedient, but because of that obedience, the whole world's getting ready to be changed. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb tonight. I'm going to take a risk. Tonight, those people, now I'm not speaking about just in here because we've got people in the ministries that are going on and we've got the RAs, the GAs, and care team, and all of that, the youth, they're meeting right now. But generally speaking, those people that'll come and leave their home during a busy work week to come and hear the Word of God open are the faithful. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say this. I believe, I just believe, based on what I've experienced, based on what I've seen, it's almost like a feeling. You ever get a feeling sometimes? I ain't some voodoo person that believes all the time that those things... But I just have this feeling that God is getting ready to do something through Zion Baptist Church that's amazing in the Oak Hill community. I just have that feeling. I can't even explain it. But I do know this, that for us to receive that power, uh, the what takes place after Easter, uh, what after all the excitement is over, uh, It's going to take our obedience, the obedience of the faithful, if we're ever going to see that happen. Uh, Just imagine this little community, our world, Oak Hill, uh, right where those disciples 
were on the precipice, standing on the edge of literally. Now, I'm not some Pentecostal, but we're standing on the edge of Holy Spirit fire coming down in this community. I believe that. And God can do great things uh, in and through that. Just what, what, how pretty and beautiful that must have been. These disciples gathered in the upper room, the place of obedience. They're doing what he said. And you and I need to be in that place as well. I uh, think about Elijah when God said, Elijah, you go over here and there's going to be a little brook over there and every, all the land's going to dry up and I'm going to have this little brook for you to drink out of and the ravens are going to feed you. And uh, God used Elijah in a powerful way, but it started right there beside that brook in the desolate place where nobody was. Really, nobody cared other than God. And But it was that place of obedience where Elijah went and did exactly what God told him to do that started all of that. That's where we find those disciples, those followers of Christ, right there where God commanded them to go. The question then we've got to ask ourselves is, am I or you right there in that place that God has commanded us to be? It's a different place for all of us, but there is a place that he's commanded all of us to be. And we ask ourselves, are we in that place? So these disciples, they went into the upper room. They stayed there, the Bible says, for about 10 days in the upper room. Uh, we know that they wasn't there 24-7 during that time because the Bible says that they went back and forth to the temple praying and meeting with people. But apparently during that time, it was a constant to the temple to worship, to the upper room to pray. They probably stopped and eat, maybe had fellowship with each other. Those 10 days were over. They were obedient. They prayed during that 10 days. Uh, the doors literally flung open. The disciples went out. They were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and the world was changed. Uh, they were there at the day of Pentecost. That was a yearly festival that the Jews had. That was the day that God chose to fill them with that power um, that he had promised them and he had made a prediction that he was going to bless them by pouring out a prophecy of the Holy Spirit uh, but the key there is to remember that these disciples, in order to be used of God, had to be in that place of obedience, making the necessary preparation for the coming of that power. That's where they were. They were there where God told them to be preparing for, getting ready for uh, that power that would come. Uh, not that God needs us or he can do anything he wants. He's God. He can do it with or without our obedience. But in his plan, that's what he does. Gets us in the place that he wants us to be, that place of obedience. Making preparations, expecting his power to come. Um, this coming fall, I know that's a long way off. Um, disciples didn't know exactly when this time was coming. I'm going to go ahead and tell the faithful here tonight. Uh, in September, we're going to plan to have a revival here. Uh, I'd like to do about two months of preparation for that, where we go out in the community, invite every single person that we possibly can to come and hear the gospel preached, where we spend time, whatever time that takes, getting ready for that so that this community uh, can be reached. People are open to come. During that time, school has just started back. A lot of times the summer's over. There's a little bit of slowdown uh, in people's 
lives. And my prayer is that there will be an extensive time of preparation. Uh, Now, it could be that there'd be an explosion take place before that time. The disciples didn't know exactly when this was coming. But I do know this. Uh, If you've got a football team and they're going to play a game on Friday night, they don't just go out there without making whatever preparations it takes to go out there and be successful in that game. There has to be some off-field preparation before the on-field performance. They work hard. And if we're going to have that church that's like the day of Pentecost, then we've got to be willing to prepare like the disciples prepared. How? In that place of obedience. Making and expecting the preparation. God said, Jesus said, that greater things than these that I've done, you're going to do. So we ought to expect that God's going to do great things in the Oak Hill community. So they're there in the upper room, 10 days, preparing for that power. And in these verses that I read, I see a few essentials in preparing for that power. Uh, that Just grab a hold of me and I'm going to share with them uh, them with you this evening. If uh, I believe if somebody said, Keith, what kind of church would you want Zion Baptist Church to be? I, I think I would say I'd like to be that upper room kind of church, uh, like this church that we read about in the book of Acts. So what do we see there? What are those essentials as we get prepared for God's power? Well, the first is the essential of supplication. I'm going to skip down uh, to verse number 14. Uh, Look what the Bible says there in verse number 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Verse 14, they all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Now that supplication is simply another word for prayer, but it literally uh, just puts more emphasis on it uh, a more intense word than prayer adoration praising god calling out to him making uh, intercession for others asking of him what we need to do the work that he's given us to do making request of him in prayer now look at the people that were there in verses uh, 13 and 14 And when they were come in, they went to an upper room, Peter, James, John, Andrew, verse 13, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, Zelotes, and Judas, the brother of James. And then not only that, with the women. So there's a whole bunch of women there, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and and with his brethren. Now, at one time, his brethren wasn't his disciples. They were unbelievers. They laughed at him. They mocked him. Now they've seen the risen Savior. And boy, uh, what a difference a day makes that we talked about Sunday. But all of there, the original ones, less Judas, the women, the family of Jesus, his mother was there, his brothers was there. And all of these groups needed prayer. Thomas needed prayer to weed out that doubt. John needed prayer to get out that anger. needed prayer to get the stubbornness and rebellion out of his heart. The brothers of Jesus certainly needed prayer to get rid of all that unbelief that they had held uh, in their heart. Now I'm going to ask something tonight. Is there anybody here, please don't raise your hand, that does not need prayer? The essential of supplication. We all 
need prayer. And if we're ever going to see God work and see His power, it's going to start through prayer. Uh, they continually gave themselves, the Bible says, to prayer and supp supplication. Uh, what a wonderful thought that is to think of a church. Continually. Not sporadically, but continually. In prayer and supplication. Thank you. You gotta be smarter than the microphone to get that thing to work. <laughs> I'm never too good at that. Uh, but what a wonderful thing it is to think about a church continually in prayer. Uh, prayer in the church is really a, both a thermostat and a thermometer. Register the spiritual temperature of a church. Church. Check the thermostat of prayer. The thermometer of prayer. The spiritual temperature of a church either goes up or down according to the prayers of the people who are involved in and belong to uh, that church. Uh, so we find here really the importance of prayer, that it's essential if we're going to receive God's power. They all continued with one accord in prayer. That means it was persistent. Upper room praying is always consistent or persistent praying. They stuck to it. They didn't quit. They kept praying. In fact, the Bible says they prayed for 10 days. Uh, they prayed for, just stop and think about this. They prayed for 10 days. Peter preached for probably less than 10 minutes. And 3,000 people got saved. Wow. Prayer. A little bit of preaching. And 3,000 people got saved. Uh, I'll give you an illustration of that. I'm not going to get done tonight, so I'm going to quit trying. We'll, we'll finish next week. Just forgive me for telling you we're going to get on that family thing next week. We'll be the next. Uh, for the last three years, Zion Baptist Church has led the Catawba River Baptist Association in baptisms. I'm, that thrills me. That's you getting out there telling people. Uh, but you know it had been quite a while since somebody had walked these aisles after the preaching and got saved now in the meantime there had been a few people that we'd met and went out and they prayed uh, so I'm just going to be honest one of these let's keep that kind of open up his heart kind of things uh, you begin to wonder when some time goes, you get finished preaching, you give the invitation, and nobody comes and gives their heart to the Lord. Uh, well, several weeks ago, I went to this uh, kind of a class learning thing with Robbie Smith down at the association, and he was giving us ideas of things to do building up to, to Easter. And one of them was these five-by-five five cards that we handed out and invited people. And thank you for doing that. I believe that's why the church was full on Easter. Uh, will all those people come back? Probably not. Some will. And, uh, you know, the inviting people, praying for people, and, you know, sitting with them and all of that, uh, writing their names out. Uh, but in that process, 
uh, about I begin to write those names down and begin to pray. But I begin to pray more consistently, specifically for that, not in here, but when I'm by myself and when I'm alone. Just begin to call out to God for those people who would come and that He would save somebody. Somebody. Uh, Most of you don't know this. Shane does. the couple nights before Easter, I was up late uh, up here a lot of that time. And a lot of that time that I was up here was on the altar praying. And uh, coming here Sunday morning, what our hearts experienced, all the wonderful preaching and singing and that kind of thing. And then gave the invitation. Several people came down. I'm still not sure what all of them, because I didn't pray with all of them. Um, But I do know that two gave their heart to the Lord. God taught me something in that. It's not my preaching. It's His power when I pray and trust Him. And I don't know that I hadn't somewhat begin to trust in my power to pull people. I'm human just like everybody else and backed off depending on his power and calling on him to do the same. And I'm not going to get past this point right here because I just believe that's as good a place as he needs to stop. The reason Peter went out there and preached for 10 minutes and those 3,000 people got saved was because they were persistent and unified in their prayer. Not only was it a prayer, a persistent prayer, but it was a unifying prayer. The Bible says they prayed in one accord. Now, we got however many people in here and we got much more that are part of this fellowship. And if you were to go around and take a poll, just say we had 100 people and took a poll, you'd get about 350 different opinions, right? On basically any one thing. But one thing we all ought to be able to agree on is that there's lost people that need the Lord Jesus Christ in their life. And we can come together and agree on that always, hopefully. So if we're going to see God do something amazing that we couldn't, that's even beyond our ability to think of right now in the Oak Hill community, uh, one thing I'm definitely sure of, I believe he taught me that through all that I've experienced and nobody coming and then depending on him and saying, well, Lord, apparently I ain't doing something right. And him saying, yeah, Keith, you ain't doing something right because you can't save nobody anyway. (laughs) Only I can saying, Lord, will you do the saving then? And then you see it happen. Is if we're going to see a multitude in the Oak Hill community say, and two, listen, I thank the Lord for two. I thank the Lord for one. Can't get no lower than that. It's either one or none. If anybody gets saved, I praise the Lord. But boy, I'd like to see 100, 200, 300. I believe our community needs that. There's children down there in the valley tonight that's going to watch their mom and daddy go to bed drunk or high on some kind of dope. Man, they need Jesus. 
There's a wife that's going to get slapped upside the head by her crazy husband. And they need Jesus. And there's people literally all over this community. I still think about that night that our house got broke into. That happened because there was somebody that needed Jesus that didn't have Jesus in their life. And they're only going to get Jesus through us. And that's all going to start in prayer. Does that make sense? That's the principle. That's that essential element to receiving God's prayer. Number one, they say for more. We'll get to them later. That's probably the most important one. We spent the most time on it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you for what your word teaches us. And God, how it's a two-edged sword that pierces even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Father, it shows us where we're going wrong and what we need to do to get it right. God, I thank you that you're forgiven and when we do and we simply come to you when your word shows us, your word also says that there's grace and help to be found experienced that in my own life. Father, I pray that as we gather together, your people, this is the faithful uh, that are here uh, tonight. That God, that essential element of supplication, prayer, would become so ingrained in us that, Father, just like the disciples, we would do it continually in one accord, praying that men, women, boys, and girls would be saved. And then God... I pray that you'd help us then to simply, like they did, expect something to happen. And it's not a waste that when we pray, heaven responds. And God, you told us it would, so we can trust that. So Lord, take, help us tonight to believe it, uh, to Lord, to live by it and in it. And then God, simply serve you. Be an upper room church like we read about tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for being here.